Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Last November, when the midterm elections took place, they didn't go exactly as many predicted. <laughs> but but one really bit of good news was that the House of Representatives changed control from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party. When the Democrats had control of both the House and the Senate, as well as the presidency, they were able to pass anything they wanted and hide anything they wanted. The, the, the checks and balances system was broken because they controlled everything. There was no checks to, to balance them out. It was like giving your teenager your checkbook and the house keys while you're away and having no one check up on them. <laughs> it just wouldn't go well. Then came the November election last year, and the the house shifted control from the Democrats to the Republicans. And even though the Democrats still had majority in the Senate and the presidency, the the House can act as the babysitter and hold them somewhat accountable. So how did their first week go while in control? Well, in a series of stories from the Daily Wire comes this one with 15 rounds of contentious voting for Speaker behind them. House Republicans rally behind Speaker Kevin McCarthy during his first week with the gavel. Now, GOP lawmakers passed a rules package that will govern them uh, and, and how the lower chamber operates for the next two years, after which the House immediately began considering legislation. Among the first orders of business for the House was advancing legislation geared toward ensuring steps are taken by health providers to protect infants born alive after an attempted abortion. Republicans can then uh, attracted bipartisan support from more than 100 Democrats in passing a bill to ban the United States from selling and exporting crude oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to China. The House also voted to slash funds and funding to the uh, the IRS system, the, the Internal Revenue uh, Service. Although these bills are not uh, expected to, to get very far in the Senate, <laughs> Republicans insisted they are getting off to a strong start in the fledgling session of Congress. Quote, while President Biden wants to control the kind of stove Americans can cook on, House Republicans are certainly cooking with gas. McCarthy tweeted on Friday, uh, uh, alleging to the controversy over the Biden administration, uh, reportedly considering a ban on gas stoves. We talked a little bit about this on Friday. Uh, quote, this week wasn't just the start of a new Congress. It is the start of a new direction in Washington, unquote. Now, beyond legislation, the House paved the way for high-profile investigations this term. Uh, that include, uh, included uh, approving the creation of a panel that will investigate the weaponization of the federal government. This is something we definitely have talked a lot about here on the podcast, about how a lot of these federal government um, agencies are being weaponized, particularly against conservatives. Now, in addition, 
Uh, nearly 150 Democrats joined Republicans to establish a select committee on the strategic uh, competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party. House Republicans also began investigations into the burgeoning scandal over President Joe Biden's handling of classified documents. Now, border security remains a top priority for Republicans. A, a group of GOP lawmakers called for a briefing by the intelligence community on national security threats posed by the open U.S.-Mexican border, despite what the Biden administration says is the fact that it's closed, right? And this was according to Fox News. Now, Representative Pat Fallon, he's a, uh, a Republican from Texas. He introduced articles of impeachment, actually, against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, accusing him of high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, uh, taking aim at members across the aisle, McCarthy made good on a on a promise to to bump three high-profile Democrats. Uh, this was Adam Schiff, who's uh, from California, Eric Swalwell from California as well, and of course Ihan Omar, who is from Minnesota, uh, from perches on key committees. So. They're out, uh, obviously. They're they're Democrats, all three, and uh, did not do a very good job, in my opinion, at least, uh, in those positions, and they're gone. On Friday, Biden uh, accepted McCarthy's invitation to deliver his State of the Union address on February 7th. Now, while McCarthy may be on a roll, he emerged from the days-long vote uh, for Speaker with uh, checks on his power, most notably in the the concession made to GOP holdouts, he agreed to a rules change to allow a sole member, just one, of the House to file a motion to vacate, which would pave the way to a simple majority vote ousting the Speaker. Now, Republicans have a slim majority in the House, and GOP leadership can only afford to lose a few votes if Democrats band together, which, of course, they almost always do, right? One of the most ridiculous things the former House did was the January 6th committee. Uh, If you followed that at all, if you you listened to the podcast, we covered it some, uh, it was touted as uh, an in-depth look at what happened two years ago. And it, it it was quite the opposite, really. It was not an in-depth look. It was literally a made-for-TV production. They literally hired a TV producer to do it that exposed literally nothing and hid plenty. And the house, the, the new house, plans to be a lot more transparent. Uh, the Twitter files serve as a model for how the U.S. Capitol security footage from January 6th of 2021 uh, would be released to the public, House Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy said on Sunday. Now, McCarthy told Maria Bartiroma, who is the host of uh, Fox News uh, Sunday Morning Features, uh, that he is looking to release the tapes because of the politicization that he believes has been fostered by former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and the January 6th committee. Now, the speaker referred to how Twitter, under the leadership of CEO Elon Musk, and we've covered again these as well, um, gave access to troves of uh, internal communications to a group of independent journalists who have been sharing details via Twitter files threads. So 
basically just releasing them to one or two, uh, just just a few journalists, having them just release everything, and uh, and that has been uh, working really well with with the Twitter files. McCarthy's looking at doing the same type of thing here. He said, "Quote: The best way to handle this is exactly the way Elon Musk did." Just put all the information out there and let the people see what is truth and what is not. Uh, he, he said, so the best way to do this is to release the tapes. People can know for themselves instead of picking and choosing what views they want people to see. Capitol Police say that the, that the system of cameras captured more than, get this, 14,000 hours of footage between noon and 8 p.m. on the day the crowd of people entered the U.S. Capitol, disrupting lawmakers' meetings to certify the the President Joe Biden 2020 election victory. Now, one particular member of the House Republican Conference uh, is Matt Gates, and and he is a Republican from Florida and has has hit the the airways touting and insisting that this footage, as, as he put it, would give more full context to that day rather than the cherry-picking moments the January 6th committee tried to use to inflame and further divide our country. Now, in an interview with CNN, he said the footage would provide extraordinary evidence to the January 6th defendants, that he also dismissed concerns about uh, how disclosing the tapes would jeopardize security, right? He says, I think that it's an argument made by the, the Department of Justice because They don't want to expose the extent to which there might have been federal assets or agents uh, enhancing uh, criminal activity here. Now, McCarthy told reporters last week that he wants to be very thoughtful about releasing capital security footage, but stressed that he is engaged to to do that. The speaker uh, told Baromo on Sunday that uh, he had not yet seen the videos, but, quote, I just think they should be released, unquote. And, and I could not agree more with him on that. And one of the biggest issues is government spending. Not only is it affecting our current economy, but the economy of our children and our grandchildren as well, really. And Utah Republican Representative Chris Stewart said the fight over the debt ceiling is a critical opportunity to rein in government spending. Now, appearing on CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday, Stewart appointed, uh, I'm sorry, he pointed out that government spending was the primary driver to skyrocketing inflation. And he's very, very much correct there. He said that he did not want to force a government shutdown, but hoped both sides would achieve a workable solution. Quote, well, we certainly want to work with the Democrats, said Stewart, and we hope that they'll work with us and the president will work with us Look, I'm not a fan of government shutdowns, he says. I'm honestly, I, I honestly don't know anyone who is. It doesn't help. On the, on the other hand, I do want to make this point. It's so important. Look, the reason that we're dealing with inflation that we are, which, is, which has been gen, uh, uh, generational, really, and it's worth remembering that it hurts the poorest among us, unquote. Uh, you know, there there will be Republicans who will say we need to, you know, reform. We just we just need reform, and we need to use this as a vehicle to try to put some limits on our spending and our debt and our deficits. He added, 
Uh, and again, we do. We we uh, we we just did a, uh, a an episode here of the podcast on uh, on our national debt and what it's doing to us and how we're it's it's just going up and up uh, extraordinarily uh, large amounts and and we just can't go in this direction the way that we're doing. Uh, he also said, "quote uh, And I am one of them, and there are many others who will be." So the question that you've uh, that that you've asked now is. Are those two principles, you know, the fact that we need to reform and cut our deficits in our spending, can be reconciled um, that with the the same uh, with that at the same time? We don't want to harm the credit of the United States government. That's our goal. I think Republicans are aligned on that. I hope the president is as well, and hopefully, we get to an agreement on that. Uh, and and I'm not going to hold my breath on that, but it would be nice. The federal government is set to hit its statutory uh, debt limit this upcoming Thursday. And so this is why it's it's coming up, and this is why it's kind of important. Uh, in a letter to uh, congressional leaders on Friday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen uh, warned that the government must begin taking extraordinary measures to prevent the United States from defaulting on its debts. The measures uh, ex- uh, expected to be taken this month include suspending new investments in the Civil Service Retirement and Disabilities Fund, the Postal Service Retiree Health Benefits Fund, and the Government Securities Investment Fund. Uh, those are things that are expected to, to be affected uh, if if we aren't going to do anything at all. Now, meanwhile, and uh, analysts by the um, an anal- analysis by the committee for a responsible federal budget found that the federal budget must be cut. Now, get this: the federal budget must be cut by twenty six percent across the board to balance the budget in the next decade. You hear what I said with that? I mean, that is that's just to balance the budget. That's not doing anything about the national debt. That if if we are to balance the budget in the next decade, we have to have a 26% cut across the board. That is major. Now, meanwhile, President Biden is in a real scandal of his own, really. But this time, he does not have the House to help him sweep it under the rug. The House Judiciary Committee announced Friday an investigation into President Joe Biden's handling of classified documents. Chairman Jim Jordan, who's uh, the Republican from Ohio, and uh, Representative Mike Johnson uh, from Louisiana sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland demanding documents and communications about Biden's mishandling of classified documents, including the apparently unauthorized possession of classified material. They set uh, a deadline for January 27th on that, and we'll mark that on our calendars, and we'll see if if that happens. But among the records sought by the lawmakers were documents and communications related to the appointment of former U.S. Attorney Robert Hur as, as special counsel. The circumstances of this appointment raised fundamental oversight questions that the committee routinely examines, Jordan and Johnson wrote. Garland announced uh, Thursday that he um, appointed her to investigate Biden over classified documents uh, that were found in the office in Washington, D.C., and in his home as well in Wilmington, Delaware, which dated back to Biden's time as vice president. So that 
raises a lot of questions because obviously he doesn't have the ability to declassify these these things as a president would. Why, uh, you know, they found them at his, in his office um, you know, of his think tank and and why they found him in his garage and why they found him in his home. And I mean, why they found all these different classified documents uh, is definitely something that needs to be looked into. The Judiciary Committee also said they they want records about the initial review of the documents uh, matter conducted by U.S. Attorney John uh, Losh, um, who who recommended uh, uh, Garland appoint the special counsel, as well as as various records from the, the Justice Department, FBI, and the White House. Now, the White House is quote fully cooperating unquote <laughs> with the National Archives and the Justice Department. Uh, Richard Sauber, uh, special counsel to the president, said in a statement Thursday. Now, Sauber confirmed to the media that Biden's personal attorneys discovered the first batch on November 2nd. Now, that's just days before the midterm election. It's before the midterm election. But did we hear anything about that? No, we did not. We hadn't heard anything about these things until just last week. Now, Biden told reporters this week that he was surprised to learn about the initial classified documents uh, d- uh, discovery in his office at the Penn Biden Center uh, think tank in Washington, D.C., and claimed that he did not know what was in the documents. Quote, people know I take classified documents or classified information seriously, Biden claimed. <laughs> obviously not, because, because obviously this information was all over his stuff and he didn't take it seriously at all. And in fact, the fact that he was surprised as he put it, that they were found in his possession and he was unaware of what was on these documents. I mean, that is almost worse, isn't it? I mean, the, the documents found in his private academic office contain U.S. intelligence memos and and uh, and briefing materials on get this Iran, on Ukraine, and the United Kingdom is, is what a source told CNN. You know what kind of wonder, especially when it comes to Ukraine, why he would have those documents. <laughs> but but that's not all. And the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer. Uh, on Sunday, called on a, health, uh, a White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, to release visitor records for President Joe Biden's Delaware home and other information related to classified documents found there. Now, Comer penned a letter to Kane after the recent discovery of classified documents held in, uh, in the president's residence from his time as vice president under former President Barack Obama. Quote, it is troubling that classified documents have been improperly stored at the home of President Biden for the last for at least 6 years raising questions about who may have reviewed or had access to classified information additionally president biden's personal attorneys and this is something i hadn't really thought about till till recently uh president biden's personal attorneys they do not possess security clearances and the White House staff continued to access and search the president's residence in Wilmington, Delaware, for classified documents. So they're the ones coming up with these doc- documents. They do not have clearance to view these things, but they're the ones that are searching for them. They're the ones that are finding them. The Oversight Committee chairman demanded Klein provide the information to keep the country safe. Quote, given the serious nature 
um, serious national security implications, the White House must provide the Wilmington residents visitor log. Comer added that that's that would be interesting to see. Comer requested the logs and detailed information about searches for Biden's home and other locations by January 30th. Now, during a Sunday interview on CNN's uh, State of the Union, Comer said that he wants information on who accessed, uh, who had access to Biden's former Penn Center office where classified documents were also found. Why didn't we hear about this on November 2nd? And when, th- this was when the first batch of classified documents were discovered. Why did we not hear about that then? Why did it take so long to do so? Now, Fox uh, News White House correspondent Peter Ducey asked Biden about the documents at his home during a press conference on Thursday. And he said, a classified material next to your Corvette? What were you thinking? Ducey asked. And get this, Biden responded with this. He says, my Corvette's in a locked garage, so it's not like it's sitting on the street, Biden said. I mean, that's not a good answer. It's just not. And and he better be prepared to have quite a few good answers in the days to come for this House investigation. And speaking of investigations, Representative Jim Jordan, we spoke about earlier, offered a glimpse Sunday into how the GOP-controlled House may ratchet up investigations into FBI whistleblower allegations of of, uh, politicization within the agency. Uh, It's about time that this is is being done. I'm just going to say, in in this fledgling session of Congress, Jordan heads the the House Judiciary Committee, as well as a a new subcommittee that's, that's charged with investigating the weaponization of the federal government, giving him broad jurisdiction and and really more powerful tools such as uh, subpoenas uh, and things like that to conduct inquiries. Now uh, we we talked about uh, his interview with uh, Maria Bartiromo, uh, who hosts the Fox News Sunday morning features, uh, and 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 uh, he was. Um, uh, she pressed the congressman on whether bringing the FBI whistleblowers to testify under oath is even a possibility. And he said, quote, we are working with them, Jordan said, of the whistleblowers after raising concerns about the retaliation by the, the Justice Department. Quote, we think many of them are, in fact, going to be willing to, to sit for deposition and be willing to testify in, in a public hearing. So we're working on that as we speak, unquote. That's very good news. The House uh, Republicans on the Judiciary Committee demanded information from law enforcement and intelligence leaders last year, uh, be it without subpoena power, of course, and released a report in November summarizing the allegations of politicization in the Justice Department and the FBI uh, raised uh, by, by a multitude of whistleblowers, a number of whistleblowers, have have come out and said, you know, the FBI, particularly those at the top, and, and even the Justice Department, uh, are are really weaponized, and they're going after conservatives. Now, whistleblowers uh, describe how the FBI has has abused its law enforcement uh, authorities for just really political purposes, and how uh, actions by uh, FBI leadership. Uh, show a a political bias against conservatives is what this report is saying. Uh, it's not just me. It's not just my opinion. Uh, but examples in uh, include 
allegations of the FBI artificially inflating statistics about domestic violence extremism in the United States and abusing its counterterrorism authorities to investigate parents who spoke at school board meetings. Yes, we have covered this that they were they they have classified parents that speak out uh, against policies that maybe a school board has has uh, has raised or has has created, and they have labeled these parents terrorists. Now, on on you know other specifics uh, listed were claims by um, uh, FBI surveillance uh, abuses uh, stemming from the the 2016 presidential election, uh, an effort to purge FBI employee. Uh, employees holding conservative views. There was definitely that going on to try to get rid of FBI employees that were that held conservative views and political um, meddling that that hampered criminal investigations. Now, one particular whistleblower alleged uh, allegation prompted pushback from from the federal law enforcement agency and House Judiciary uh, Republicans said an unnamed FBI whistleblower told them. The Bureau was moving agents off of child sexual abuse investigations to pursue instead political inquiries, in particular those focused on the Capitol riot on January 6th of 2021. So they were were moving people off of child sex abuse cases and on to this. Now, in a lengthy statement, an FBI spokesperson told the Epoch Times that the Bureau's commitment to combating one particular threat to the American people does not come at the expense of others. Okay, really? (laughs) Because that's not true. (laughs) On Sunday, Jordan said 19 whistleblowers had come forward to talk to lawmakers, five more than the 14 that he divulged last year, and FBI agents take whistleblower status. Come to us, he said. So if you if if you have information, if you're an FBI agent, you have information and 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 want to become a whistleblower, please do that. Now is the time. But it is not all about investigations. The Republican-led House passed on Thursday legislation banning the United States from selling and exporting crude oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to China. More than 100 Democrats joined with the GOP counterparts uh, who raised concerns last year about Biden's administration selling nearly a million barrels from the reserve to a Chinese state-controlled crude giant. Now, the, the, the final tally for the uh, protecting America's Strategic Petroleum Reserve from China Act was 331 to 97, with six members not uh, deciding to vote at all. Um, now, despite receiving support from both sides of the aisle, the bill is not expected to be taken up by the Senate, unfortunately, under the leadership of the Democrats there. Still, the vote Thursday was one of, of two bipartisan acts focused on Beijing during its fledgling session of Congress under the leadership of Speaker Kevin McCarthy, following the vote, of course, uh, Tuesday in the in in which 150 Democrats joined Republicans to establish a select committee on strategic competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party. Now, under the legislation passed Thursday, the the Energy Secretary uh, is notwithstanding of any any other portion of law. This is this is what it actually says is provided by drawing down or selling, or is prohibited, I'm sorry, from drawing down or selling petroleum products 
from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to any entity that is under the ownership, control, or influence of China's Communist Party, except the condition uh, that, that such petroleum products will not be exported to the People's Republic of China. Now, as part of, of a 180 million barrel drawdown throughout which the government sought to uh, stabilize global oil markets and combat rising gasoline prices, the Biden administration announced July of last year a number of contracts for the purchase of crude oil from the, from the, the reserve. Well, 14 different companies uh, were given, given that, and one of them uh, was uh, given as a uh, 950,000 barrels award to UPEC America, which is a subsidiary of the Communist Party-owned Sinopec Corporation. Um, and and Secretary Jennifer Granholm, uh, uh, House Republicans uh, raised concern about U.S. Uh, oil possibilities being used by China to support Russia's invasion of Ukraine and warned of the potential... Um, well, let's, let's say benefit for Hunter Biden, the pre- president's son, because, of course, he uh, is in bed with the Chinese uh, government and with the oil companies there uh, that were benefiting from this. So you, so you see, as, as many other issues uh, were either covered up by the last House or not addressed um, at, at all, um, the, this Republican House of Representatives is not going to... Ex- uh, is not going to just cover things up. They're going to um, expose corruption. And, and you may say, well, these bills will just lie you know, and, and will just die basically in the Senate. And that may be true, but at least getting House members on the record as voting against them is important, especially in this next election. And you may you may agree, you may disagree on this, but I would love to have that conversation with you. And of course, you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.